The mic is hot and the game is on. You're listening to News for the Nation podcast by Aces Nation, where we talk about nutrition, sports performance, the journey of a student athlete, and more. I'm Claire. I'm Zach. Time Time to to level level up. Welcome back, sports fans. We are in the Embark Collective Content Studio, powered by Johnson Pope. Thanks for listening to us today. What we're going to talk about on this episode, uh, Claire recently went to a conference. She's not going to give mm-hmm. us the, the the whole content there, but she's going to talk a little bit about her experience there, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a couple of things that she learned, you know, and, and how that is going to move her in a positive direction forward. You know, uh, always good to go to the conferences to meet new people, to learn new things and like have something else to use, you know, whether, mm-hmm. whether that just validates what you're already doing, sparks this, uh, this catalyst for new growth or or a new set of operations. It's always good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to share a little bit about it. Absolutely. But first, (laughs) we're going to do an opening opinion here. Uh, I haven't really, there's nothing that's been like, boom, in your face, like really sparked a fire. But but I've just been seeing a lot more consistent content from people that I like and and trust, you know, and, and people that I don't know personally either. So I don't have like any true ties to them. But just kind of touching on the topic of um, getting out of the weight room, right? Um, and, and doing more things that take what you're gaining in mm-hmm. the weight room and actually use it in a, in a more uh, functional. Yeah, you could say functional. Yeah, like in a more appropriate way that can transfer to sport a little mm-hmm. easier, right? Because it's not like you just squat under the bar and all of a sudden you just go play your sport and you're faster, right? There's got to be some type of um, neuromuscular training that has to take advantage of that, that has to take place, right? You can't just go lift and then become that way. There needs to be this, this transition of, uh, uh, functionality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, just a, a couple of people touching on that. And I just want to bring to the point of like, just keeping in mind that that's not what it's all about. You know, we're not just, not just strength coaches, right? Not also not just strength and conditioning coaches. Cause that implies a completely different thing, but mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you could get into the wordplay of like, we're conditioning the body to move faster or jump higher, be more explosive, things like that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. But in essence, um, I, I like the, the title, um, um, like athletic performance. I think that's really mm-hmm. nice. Um, where we're affecting the performance of the athlete, mm-hmm. not the performance of like the sports skill. Right. We're, yeah. we're just aiding the athlete potentially in their uh, execution of the sports skill or their um, overall execution within the boundaries or in the rules of the, the sport itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Whatever that entails physically. So uh, I like that as well. So getting out there and um, getting on the field or, or maybe executing in some type of uh, contrast or superset um, type of setting, doing plyometrics, doing your speed work. Um, doing reaction drills when you're doing a sprint or change of direction, you know, Mm -hmm. well, the reaction component makes it agility. So, um, just having those moments of decision-making and force expression, I I think are are really huge and they need to be touched on uh, a little bit more Mm because even in the off season, I think it's easy with schedules to just get tied into, I only have this much time and I'm going to stay in the weight room and stuff like that. But really kind of looking at the the holistic approach to it and where you can find gains or just step outside of 
being in this one box as a coach. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really important to uh, emphasize. Yeah. I mean, I know for me, it's very important to develop um, well, force development more so like along with power um, in that little realm. However, you want to uh, define that along the force curve, you know, somewhere in that middle range. Mm -hmm. um, that's typically where I would say more of the opportunities to score or the scoring moments themselves happen so kind of within that that power range. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just important to know that as well. I, I will also say, I like to think that the conditioning part on strength conditioning doesn't always have to be physical. Mm -hmm. I think it can be a mental component as well, as far as we're driving um, good habits, mm -hmm. right? We are conditioning people to move in good habits based on what kind of feedback we give them, right? Right. We're trying to, you know, uh, sure up or perfect as close as possible the mm -hmm. things that we're doing, right? And hopefully some of that stuff is like good character building, you know, and good conditioning uh, from just a human perspective as well. Um, so really, it's not all about lifting weights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good component to it, but it's not everything, right? So I mean, that was really one of what I wanted to touch on, because yeah. people are putting out some good stuff, but it's not necessarily just them doing different types of exercises. Um, stationary it's more about being dynamic right now there are some stationary components to um elicit some <laughs> to elicit some good strength responses right mm -hmm. within the body to recruit more uh muscle units yeah so, so that your your system is a little more primed to be more explosive because more of your musculature quote unquote is uh activated at that point mm -hmm. right so some stuff like that, like lifting heavy and then doing something explosive, right? Like pairing those two together, yeah. but also stepping outside of that, like finding a way to be competitive and be reactive within a drill will also drive the intent of that drill and the purpose behind it, like to get faster, to go chase someone, to move in a direction, uh, to maneuver as they try to elude you. Uh, I mean, those are big components of, of sport, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when it's like, um, opponent-based sport not just individual yeah 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 i think that's good i would say i've i've noticed some of that too just on like instagram and and social media stuff of it maybe maybe not necessarily be becoming a trend but it's becoming more prevalent on my feed of just seeing um that getting out of the weight room is going to make you more athletic you don't necessarily mm -hmm. just get better and stronger by lifting heavy and being in the weight room. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, I guess simply put, not just being a lifter, being an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> yeah, you bet. All right. Tell us about that conference. Uh, yeah. First of all, uh, what was it? Where was it? Mm -hmm. How was it? It's funny. I've heard it referred to like four different things. So workshop, conference, summit, whatever. Um, the actual name of it is the apprenticeship so uh brought brought to us by the art of coaching and brett bartholomew big time um so we it was brought to us through or me i guess through cpsda which is the collegiate and professional sports dietitians association which is one of the few professional membership organizations i'm a part of um so essentially we had the opportunity to apply through cpsda and got selected to attend 
there were, I think about 20 of us there, all sports dietitians from either the collegiate setting, um, the tactical setting, private practice. And I think there was one from the NFL. So nice. kind of a, a range of, of different areas. A lot of us have kind of been in different areas. So obviously I've come from collegiate now kind of in private practice slash tech, I guess you could categorize it as, um, or small, small business. Um, same thing with tactical. Some of them came from collegiate or clinical. And then, so we all, we all have a background in different varieties of dietetics or sports dietetics, which was cool. Um, so we were at SMU's campus in Dallas, which was fun. Pony up. Um, yeah. And it was a two day summit or workshop, very intensive. Um, but I liked that it wasn't just lecture based. It wasn't just, here's all the information you need to know. Now go apply it. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you don't figure it out, sucks. Um, so there, there was lecture based stuff, obviously, like we were coming into it, um, needing to learn things. Right. Um, but then there was also a lot of application and practice and role playing and improv and things like that, that were super helpful. So the, I guess, essential gist of the workshop was like a leadership and communication workshop of, um, you know, leadership is not all about like just earning trust and trust falls and all these kind of like cliches. It's, you know, having, um, a deeper understanding of the power dynamics of how people communicate and how to communicate with certain people, um, how to communicate effectively in uncomfortable situations or in chaotic situations or situations that you don't want to be in, but you're in and you can't get out of them. Um, so I just, I wanted to read just kind of like a blurb of, of what it is. So it's, um, this is from their website. It's across two days, you'll engage in unique combination of applied role-playing, video reviews, case studies, lectured, and peer evaluations that will help you better meet the demands of any situation you're struggling with personally or professionally. Um, and so that was, the last part of that was something that I think really stuck out to me about it is it wasn't just a workshop for sports dietitians. It wasn't just a workshop for professionals or it wasn't just about things that you will only specifically use in a place of work or a place of business. Like everything that we basically walked through and learned can apply to pretty much any situation in life that you would use communication. So whether that be with your spouse, whether that be with your children, your parents, um, your friends, whatever, uh, you can apply these things into your communication. Yeah. So. It was cool. It was a really good experience. Um, I don't think I've ever been to any type of like workshop or conference like it. And I think that made it more impactful for me. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I think I told you this this morning, I'm still trying to process a lot of what I learned yeah. um, and, and how to dissect it and apply it. But there are definitely some things that I'm already thinking more of and, and are am more aware of in conversation. Um, and there are definitely some things that I think I can, and even you can start implementing like today or yeah. tomorrow to just make communication better, whether that be between us or between other coworkers or just between like our clients and the, and prospective clients. Yeah. It's crazy how you go to conferences like that and, um, you just, 
you know, it's just this collection of things that you hear and then you start thinking about. And it's almost like when you're um, when you're walking around or like at a trail, like at mm -hmm. nighttime and you've got a flashlight. Right. Well, you, you already had some light, but it's like afterwards, it's like the light got brighter so you mm -hmm. can see a little bit more. Right. So you have yeah. a little more perspective on everything around you. Um, yeah. It's just it's kind of cool how that stuff happens. And it also makes for me, at least it makes me reflect back on things that I've already done mm -hmm. and just try to evaluate that uh, as a learning opportunity for myself moving forward. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good analogy. Yeah. Flashlight analogy. Um, but yeah, I think um, it was cool to just even as we're going through the lectures to be like, I've never thought about that or I've never taken that into consideration when I'm communicating in this space. Like, I've maybe taken that into consideration when having conversations with people that I'm very close to, like family members, for example, mm -hmm. like you obviously know your family very well for the most part, maybe some people don't, but for the most part, people are pretty keen to what the personality and drives and communication styles of their parents or siblings or spouses are right. like, you're pretty attuned to those things. Um, but when it's maybe with a superior or maybe when it's with, again, a potential client that you're meeting for the first time, you might not have any idea what that's like. So you kind of have to be looking out for those things and be more aware of those things. And then also understand, okay, if they're coming in with these drives and this communication style and um, in this context, whatever that might be, um, like the time or the space or the environment, um, I know that I need to communicate in this way mm -hmm. to elicit the hopeful response of this or the hopeful outcome of this um, versus maybe just approaching every single conversation with this is how I communicate and that's not going to change because it's how I communicate. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to be the same no matter what. It's it's going to have to change based on the context and maybe the um, – the skills that the other person is using influence tactics, whatever mm -hmm. is going to pretty much influence kind of how you're responding and communicating. Um, and that might need to change based off of the context right. of the situation. Yeah. I mean, you've heard the term active listener. It, mm -hmm. It's almost like being a thoughtful speaker. Yeah. And an active listener at the same time. Right, right. Being both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Interesting. And I think both of those tend to be hard for people, especially in the moment when, again, like I was saying before, you're having some maybe more of those uncomfortable conversations, whether it's like negotiating a new salary or there's like a conflict with a coworker, or if it's more of like that standoffish kind of, this is a really kind of aggressive and confrontational conversation, mm -hmm. maybe not aggressive, but confrontational. A lot of times I think the default is defensive and there is not active listening and there's not thoughtful communication. It's just, this is my viewpoint. This is how I need to get it across. And the other person is doing the same thing. So you're kind of at a yeah. standstill and don't get anywhere. Yeah. So again, depending on the type of person that you're, you're communicating with, um, maybe being more of a listener and responding to them with, um, you know, I hear what you're saying, you know, you mentioned this and then coming at it from maybe with a little bit more empathy or just communicating that you, you heard what they said. You don't necessarily have to give in and say, yeah, I agree with you now that I'm kind of hear what you're saying. 
Um, but even just acknowledging that I, I hear what you're saying, this is what you said, but I still don't agree with you. Yeah. And this is what I think. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it was helpful for me particularly because I've always considered myself, I don't want to say a bad communicator, but I, I feel like especially like maybe under pressure or in those uncomfortable situations, I tend to get flustered mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's hard to improv or think on the spot of like either a way to pivot if I didn't rehearse a specific outcome or it's hard for me to put into words what I really want to say because I don't want to come across as aggressive or too assertive because I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or I don't want it to come out the wrong way. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the practicing in the improv really helped me with that and basically just showed that I need to practice that a lot more yeah. because if things don't go the way that the one way I practiced it, then I'm pretty much screwed. Yeah. So it gave you a little bit of confidence um, just to have that practice and feeling that in the, in the mm -hmm. zone there. Yeah. It gave me confidence and it also was more eye opening of that. I need to practice that more. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's nothing's going to change. Well, I, I like that the conference, the conference um, summit workshop <laughs> apprenticeship. Take uh, your <laughs> yeah. I, I like that it, um, translated is going to translate more than just to your profession, right? Mm -hmm. Like it encompassed your entire life in that as a skill that you can develop to enhance all aspects and relationships mm -hmm. in your life, whether that's personal, professional, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that that's probably m one of the best things that you could have, right? Yeah. As to be impacted beyond just this one specific area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that sounds like it was the best thing. Yeah. And I think going into it, I didn't expect that. I, you know, expected this is going to help me with work. Right. <laughs> um, so after, and not even after the first day, but just even after like the introduction of mm -hmm. this is what this is about. Um, and then going into detail and going into the weeds and some of the education or the lecture based stuff, it was like, wow, this literally applies to everything. Yeah. Because when you think about um, like drives, what drives people, something drives everybody. It's not just what drives my boss or what drives the clients I'm working with or whatever. There are specific drives that your peers have too, or mm -hmm. your friends or whatever. So um, that was helpful. Same thing with influence tactics. So one of our um, homeworks was to just like turn on the radio if we're watching a show, if you're scrolling on social media, like if an ad comes up, what are, identify some influence tactics they use. So whether that be maybe they're guilting you into doing something or maybe um, they're using rational persuasion. So, you know, like logically, uh, if you lift X amount of times per week, you're going to get stronger or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. You're appealing to their, their rational thinking. Um, all of those things, again, they're used every day in pretty much every conversation that you have, regardless of if you're aware of their happening yeah. or not. Yeah. Um, so again, it just brought more awareness of like, wow, I recognize that. And and there were some things that I was like, wow, I recognize that I do that in sales calls or I do that in one-on-one um, -on -one coaching calls. Um, but there were also ones that I'm like, wow, I do that a lot with this friend or wow, I noticed my mom does that a lot with me or whatever it might have been. And it just was very eye opening that it's like to put a name to something that's happening all the time was helpful to just identify it a little bit more and to show like, oh, OK, this is part of their communication style. Yeah. Yeah.
I mean, I think it's interesting to just be aware of that. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden now, I mean, you're now because you went to this event, you're probably looking for those like motivational um, mm -hmm. areas or, or drivers in conversations now. Yeah. That's that that and that would be I don't know kind of cool to like yeah. just be more aware of that and just to to look at it right like I think yeah. that I think that on on social media sometimes when we're scrolling through so, uh, -huh. uh okay someone's trying to sell you something or whatever mm -hmm. someone's trying to get you to believe them like how are they delivering this message mm -hmm. and trying to influence me yeah and I think that's pretty powerful in looking at changing things too. Like mm -hmm. if we're, if you're using the same thing over and over again in a particular conversation with a particular person, if you notice that, okay, me appealing to their rational thought is not working, I need to try something else, right? Instead of, like I said at the beginning, if somebody is just prone to like, this is rational, this makes sense to me. So this is like what I'm going to use to influence them to buy my services or work with me or whatever it is maybe that doesn't appeal to them. Maybe yeah. you need to use something else. Yeah. And so having, oh. I still need to, I'm like I said, it's, I'm still kind of overwhelmed with like all of the information. Um, so I still have to go back to some of the resources and the, the handouts that we were given, but I think that's helpful. Like even just still learning this stuff, like I can go back to that sheet and say, okay, this didn't work. What's maybe the opposite of that or what's maybe a pretty different from that, that I can try and incorporate that, if that elicits the outcome that I want, okay, mm -hmm. if I have another person come to me that has similar characteristics, the content, the context of the conversation is pretty similar to this one, um, I can maybe use those influence tactics and those might work a little bit better than my default right. of like rationality. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast recently, or I, I've definitely said this within the last couple of months, though, to somebody somewhere. Um, I think the same thing about athletes in how they want to be, uh, how they want th something described to them, like from mm -hmm. a strength and conditioning perspective, right? I always think that there's typically like these three types of athletes when you're communicating, right, about what's about to happen, right? Mm -hmm. You're given the the brief right before uh, we're about to start warming up or the first set or whatever. Uh, there's there are the athletes who just want to know what what we're doing right mm -hmm. they don't necessarily need to know anything else they just need the direction right mm -hmm. and they'll go for it uh there are the athletes that want to know how it's gonna transfer to mm -hmm. their sport right um and then there are the athletes who want to know more about the science yeah right? why yeah so i mean those are the three that i think i've identified in my coaching career yeah that are like typically always there. Yeah, I think you've mentioned that before. Great, great. Yeah. Well, I mean, just you talking about, you know, all this communication stuff. I'm like, Oh, what? wait, wait, yeah, it's yeah. like that makes sense. Because people, when they hear a message a certain way, mm -hmm. it connects with them a little bit more, and they internalize it and, and yep. run with it, quote, unquote. Yeah, I would times. say the same with nutrition, too. Like, there are some people that are just like, tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Yeah, some people that are like, how is this going to help me? Mm hmm. And some people are like, why, why am I doing this? Yeah. yeah and yeah, then, yeah. yeah. So sim very similar. Um, I would argue that the majority of athletes are why, like, mm -hmm. why am I doing this? Yeah. And then the, there's a, also a large percentage that are how I, I would say that there are not a lot 
at least that I've worked with that are like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the same thing. If, if we're talking about like bell curves, right. Mm -hmm. th there's definitely more on the strength conditioning side who are like, how does this translate to my sport? Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people want to go into more in-depth information about, yeah, like pathways and things yeah, like, like that. how it works on a cellular <laughs> level or whatever, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, I, I would agree. I think that's probably the majority of, mm -hmm. um, student athletes these days they want to know yeah. why am i doing this yeah. right like which makes sense how does it help me i think yeah. it helps with buy-in i think it I think helps great. yeah if i would say that it probably helps them be more intentional with what they're doing because they understand why they're doing it they're not just like claire told me to do this so i'm gonna do it i don't really know why i don't know how it's gonna help me but i'm doing it yeah i think i think people in a position like that whether you're a student athlete or you're like a, a client who's working with uh, your own strength conditioning coach or, you know, um, registered dietitian, I think you should ask more questions. I think that would probably validate to you as a consumer or whatever that position is of like the qualifications of the person you're working with, right? Mm -hmm. Like if they don't like that you're asking a question to understand more, it probably says more about the confidence level of that uh, authority figure mm -hmm. or that um, person that you're working with yeah. than it does about the content or you, right? So like, yeah, I, I would encourage to, to ask more questions because mm -hmm. if you want to know, then you should be able to know, right? And yeah. that person you're working with, if they, they should be good enough in all their knowledge that they either can tell you immediately or say, hmm, let me get back to you yeah. on that. Let me go get some research for you mm -hmm. on that and tell you exactly and tell you a little bit more. Yeah. Because again, it depends on context. Mm -hmm. So that's where the, it depends comes, comes into play. But, um, yeah, I, I always welcome questions, but doesn't necessarily mean I'll have the answer for you in the context that you're asking. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, because somebody yesterday might've asked me the same question and I maybe had a very up, you know, upfront answer because their cases may be very cut and dry, Right. but there might be other factors or contextual things going on that maybe makes your question different yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah and need a little bit more um information and research mm -hmm. of how to apply it in a way that is going to make sense for you yeah 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 um yeah i don't love i <laughs> i find that with um mainly doctors if i'll ask questions just in the past they've gotten very defensive and they're like you're taking this because of this i'm like okay but why how is it going to help me and they they're like it just does I always hated that. Does. Yeah, I always hated that. So yeah, I love I love questions. But like you said, sometimes we might not have the answer right there. It doesn't mean we don't know what we're doing. And it doesn't mean that we're bad at our jobs. It just means there's probably some contextual information that would change the answer for you mm -hmm. that is maybe not super common. And we want to be sure that we're giving you the correct information. Yeah, giving you the best answer, not mm -hmm. just a quick answer. Yeah. I, I think that's always important to understand. As you ask someone something, you know, e even me too, because I ask a lot of questions in general mm -hmm. um, to people that I work with. And, um, you know, if they don't know, that's fine. I, I don't want to assume they aren't good at their job just because they don't know it. But sometimes I ask questions that they can't answer right then and there, you know, yeah. whether or not they have time to answer it right there or they just need to get more time to think about it right mm -hmm. like it's not life or death the question i'm asking yeah, so i mean not. you can have some time to think about it and get back to me so yeah sometimes you ask silly questions too 
Yeah, but I just ask a lot of questions. You so do. Yeah, I, you're I a very curious person. Yeah, I think in volume there it comes, you know, really good questions and then questions that you're just like, oh, okay, or this guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that was a that was our recap of your your time mm -hmm. uh, over the past weekend. Yeah. Uh, again, great experience. I. It doesn't matter if you're wanting to improve professionally, personally with communication. I think anybody can really benefit from that that workshop. So yeah. I I believe they have a couple coming up. I don't know where they mm -hmm. are, but I think you can just go to their website. Um, I think it's artofcoaching.com. Art of yeah. Um, and, and find a live event near you or one that's not near you that you just want to go to. Um, but I, I would... 100% recommend it. Yeah, I, I would too. I mean, I haven't been to one, but I, I know the quality of the people. Mm -hmm. um, definitely Brett Bartholomew, great guy. Information is incredible. Um, just the way that his presence and the way he's delivering everything, um, mm -hmm. you know, is, is fantastic. Uh, he's great. Special shout out to Ali Kirshner, um, <laughs> who I, I had the opportunity to work with just for like a week at one point when I was visiting. Uh, her when she was at KU. So mm -hmm. she's also with the company. So, I mean, they're doing big things. And yeah. like you said, they, they travel all around uh, the U.S. So you can definitely find one near you at some point in time. Yeah. It looks like if you're in these areas, it looks like upcoming, they'll be in Canton, Georgia, Sioux Falls, Indiana, East Hanover, New Jersey, Phoenix, Arizona, and San Francisco, California. Wow. Yeah. Over the next year. Yeah, they're going all, all over the place. Yeah, in the country. and I believe you can also request to host a live event or request Brett or maybe some of them to come speak um, yeah. as well. I know they have a podcast. They have online courses. They've got some free resources. So there's a lot, depending on what you can afford financially, there's a lot of Lots information of out there. Yeah. And you can access it whether you want to host a live event and you know pay for that or if you just want to utilize the free resources that they have on there yeah um i know i listened to a couple of his podcasts even before going to the workshop and even those gave a lot of helpful information and just things to think about that you can implement into you know your communication um or just again give you a little bit more insight so that you can be more self-aware and more aware of others and um, what their communication style and drives and things like that are. So definitely recommend checking out any or all of those things. Yeah, It's important. Relationships are important. Yeah. Communication in those relationships is crucial. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, you use it all the time. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. We yeah. will catch you on the next one. See ya.